0: Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you. It's a double dip of Smith & Jones today as we've got you later on tonight as well for the broadcast of the Raptors and Mavericks, 8 o'clock Eastern, the tip-off of that game, or excuse me, pregame show, 8 o'clock Eastern, tip-off at 8.30 Eastern. Got to get that right. Got to make sure I show up on time for that broadcast, Jonesy. And a man that will be calling the action on the other side of things, 16-season NBA vet and a longtime analyst for the Mavericks as well. Always love chatting with Derek Harper. Derek, thanks for the time today.
1: You got it, man. How you guys doing, PJ? What's Harp. going on? I'm you? good, Harp. I, I, just, I, I know that I know that you got you got golf weather down there in Dallas. Still, we Eric and we I, I digging not. out of about. We, we do not. <laughs> well, good, wrong, good, because you're wrong on that one. We've had good we and had good because we had about a foot and a half of
2: snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, compared to there, we're definitely doing pretty well.
1: <laughs> oh man. Harp, we we've been talking uh, uh, to we talked to Gary Trent Sr uh, we've talked okay. to Alvin Williams and I'm going to I'm going to start with you on the same question and I know okay. this probably has a little bit more to it for you because um, you were that close to a championship playing for Pat yeah. Riley uh, the yes. scouting aspect of the game the advanced scouting the when you're going into a game the preparation um, yes. Talk to me about how it's changed over the course of the years, and what it was like playing for a guy like Pat Riley when it came to knowing your personnel, KYP on the other team, and the advanced scouting.
2: Man, I tell you what, it, it is—it's gone bonkers. It's what it's done. Paul, I—you uh, said Pat Riley. He's one of the uh, more detailed coaches that I've ever. <clears throat> excuse me, that I've ever played for. Uh, Coach Rowley, when I first got there from Dallas, I, I got traded there right before the trade deadline in 94. He threw me a uh, a playbook, offense and defensive playbook, that I could still be reading and not finishing. That, <laughs> that's how detail Rowles and the New York Knicks were. And the only difference in that and now fellas, is that everything is on the pad now. Everything is digital. It's on, it's on the Internet. And it, it makes it a lot easier is what I would say, the, the the scouting part of it. I mean, there's not one thing that you don't know about your opponent in the league right now. And it's grown to that. It's always been pay attention to detail, all of those things. This guy's tendencies, what he likes to do, go right, go left, uh, whether or not he's a, a mid-range guy or strictly three-point guy opposed to driving all the way to the basket. You've always known these things, but now it's, it's a different level. There are more coaches, there are more specialists as coaches now that pay attention to how many times you pass the basketball. They even have stats of that now, Paul and Eric.
1: Yeah. So it's,
2: it's off the charts. And what it does, in my opinion, takes out all the guesswork. You don't have to wonder what your opposition is going to do. You know. So I'm not going to say it makes it easier because you can know what Kyrie Irving is going to do and still can't stop it. Luka Doncic, guys of that nature, and you still can't stop it. You can know what the Milwaukee Bucks are going to do as an overall team, and you've got to stop Giannis and stop greatness. But it's gone to a different level. And it
0: just takes a lot of guesswork out. Hey, Derek, I, I assume it takes out a lot of excuses for players too, if they miss an assignment or if they what? screw something up. I, as you just said, I know Kyrie's still going to get his, and the best of the best are still going to get theirs. But if you're not prepped and you're not ready, man, I've got to assume that's a that's a trump card for the uh, coaches to, well, to slap you're down you're on not, the players, saying, "Hey, not, how can you not be ready? We gave you everything you could possibly want." Right. Hey, Eric, if you're not ready, you're going to be
2: embarrassed for forty-eight minutes. Is what's going right. to happen. <laughs> plain and simple you're going to be taken advantage of and I've always gone beyond the call of duty to know I mean I watched a lot of film back then and I you know I've been I'm I'm ancient so even back then I, I studied guys I wanted to know what Kevin Johnson liked to do I wanted to know you know what Tim Hardaway wanted to do Gary Payton so on and so forth and the only way to know man is to pay attention to the details especially the little things man there are tendencies that all professional athletes, players, basketball, you name it, that they have. And I think it's extremely important to try to figure some of that stuff out to give yourself a chance against greatness, to my earlier point.
0: We might have lost Jonesy for a second, Derek. We'll get him back into the mix in a second as we're chatting with Lord. Derek Harper, Mavericks analyst and longtime NBA vet as well. You know, one of the things I think we were discussing a little bit earlier, uh, in, and Derek Jonesy referenced the conversations we had on this show already with Gary Trent Sr. and with Alvin Williams. Um, not not just the scouting, but but you know the kind of prep for the for the game of of, of basketball, the life itself being an NBA player for young guys. Derek, maybe you can touch on that a little bit. You know, Dallas got a couple of young pieces, more so some some you know yeah. some veteran guys, but just that the lifestyle and the transition from being a young guy to a guy that's been around for a couple of years, transitioning into being that young vet, that old head, that the guy that's been around, and the life that comes with the NBA as well and how difficult that can be, especially when you look at your team, let's say the Mavericks, and doing that. Uh, as an international player and coming to the NBA for the first time and coming overseas maybe to to the USA for the first time, all of the things that go on away from the floor and yet still staying laser-focused on the game and on the job, the task at hand?
2: Easier said than done, Eric, is what I would say. It's very difficult. For I'll just go back to my introduction into the NBA. Very naive is what I was. Like most first, second, third-year players, there's a lot to learn uh, when it comes to the NBA. Um, as far as rest, uh, we talked about preparation already, but it's a different environment from college. College people hold, hold your hand a little bit and walk you through the process. Not so much when you get to the NBA. It's kind of like on-the-job training that you're getting. And advice that I, I give young players right now, which they don't know when they, when they get to, to the league, if you want to last, if you want to stick around for a long period of time, I just feel like it's extremely important to understand what it's going to take. First thing I tell young players, come early to practice. Come early. Come as early as you possibly can and stay as late as you possibly can because that gives you more time around a new environment, if you would. If you come late, get there, rush in, tie your shoes, and here we go getting stretched out, you missed out on an opportunity. If you leave early, then that means you're not improving as a player. So if you want to last in the NBA as a young player, you got to do your due diligence on all phases, mm-hmm. off the court, like you're talking about, surrounding yourself around the right people, around the, the right circumstances, and the, 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 make the right choices, if you would. And you're going to be around for a longer period of time than, than most people will, will be around. It's, it's not easy, and it, it's a fun lead, but it's a business as well. And to learn the business, to get the business, you have to make like a sponge and soak up as much information and data that you possibly can if you want to have a long career in what's the greatest uh, sport in the world, in my opinion. Uh, There's some that will argue that football is, but I am a, a basketball ambassador and junkie for the game of basketball.
1: Well, Harp, I'm on. I'm on board with you there. To me, it's, I, I love it. There, it's the greatest game in the world, and and yeah. and to me, there's nothing like play, playoff time when when grown men are playing. Ooh. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money's on the line. It's about the ring and That's the right. championship. <laughs> and I mean, they could hey, they could be playing out on the schoolyard somewhere, and it, it doesn't matter. It's all about winning. So I, I've always said that, though, and people have impressed that upon me as I've been around the game, too. It's one thing yeah. to get drafted, and it's a whole other thing to have a career. And that, that's, that's terrific advice that, that you give. And, I mean, a lot, of, a, lo- a lot of young guys should heed that. I mean, they walk up on draft day, and they got their suit on, and they, they get the hat, yeah. and they shake the commissioner's hand. And if they're not yeah. careful in three years, they're out of the league. That, you know that, we, there, we, There's, we, there's we, way more the, to the, it.
2: Yeah, the three of us have seen that happen, where you think, off. This kid is drafted, say, 11th. I was the 11th pick in 83-84 draft. And you think automatically this kid is going to be alone. I'd be around for a long time, beg your pardon. But it doesn't happen for the reasons that Eric just talked about, just away yeah. from the game. You know what I mean? Who you're, who you're associating yourself with, right? The come early, stay late. It, it, it's a premium on On doing those things if you 're going to be around and have a long career, and you know I, I we talk about how great the game is, but think about it 's probably four hundred, and this is not the exact number I know, but maybe four hundred and eighty players in the nBA right you do the math yeah, do the math is that even a one percent of the world. <laughs> it's not. So it, it's the place to be if you want to be there. However, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with it, man. That's why you marvel at young players that get it right away. You guys have a guy Scotty Scotty Barnes just looks like his head is on as tight as it could be for a young player. Right. And I guarantee you yeah. 10 years, 15 years from now, he'll still be around, giving you production. And I know what a great job you guys do of drafting in Toronto. I mean, it's evident by Siakam and Van Fleet, now Scotty Barnes. So you got to take advantage of, of all the opportunities, man, when you're young in the league and trying to build a platform and a resume as a player in the NBA.
0: Well, I know, I know, Harp, one of the things that Jones and I have said many times that kind of piggybacks on what you were just talking about, about doing the math and the jobs in the league, is is not only is it hard to get in, uh, hard to stay in, because even if you're not – listen, even if you're dogging it and, and not doing your best all the time and not you know scouting your opponents and not working hard and everything else, but still able to somehow grab a job, hold on to a job, you've got to really be super lucky then, because there's at least 25, 30, 40 players coming in every year that are automatically taking jobs i mean 60 are drafted about half of those are going to make the league guaranteed period first or second round so right away you're talking about close to close to a ten yeah. percent turnover what about maybe a, a seven eight percent turnover every right. single year whether you like it or not
2: I mean shame on you if you if you're depending on luck to carry you to a right. uh, to a long career and certainly to your point Eric, there, there are guys that don't have the work ethic, that find a way to stay afloat. But I just believe in what you just said. I mean, there's always some guys coming for you, man, that's being drafted, that have all the integrity that we're talking about as players, uh, work ethic. I mean, you're playing basketball to make a living, right? Who doesn't want to do that for as long as they can? I mean, you you got to be a fastidious. <laughs> To not want to be in the NBA, it, it, it's a great business, a great league, and if all I have to do is go out and 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 be professional and, and and put the work in, if you would, as a player, then I'm going to gravitate to doing that and find a way to uh, to last as long as I can.
1: Hey, hey, Harper, I want to get to tonight's matchup with with Toronto and Dallas. Sure. Um, uh, and 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 you and I, we've talked. I remember standing courtside with you talking about, your yeah. top fifty players, the next top fifty years yeah. ago. And here's our he, your he guy Dirk, Dirk. was in it. Um, I, talk to me about Luca. The way he's he's. I mean, he had a long summer playing in the Olympics. Yeah. Are you seeing the remnants of that? Are, are you, I mean, we're in a, a point of the season now where it's really the grind. Yeah, Paul. I, I,
2: I think it's obvious. I think everybody sees it. Certainly,
1: Luca has had
2: moments where he's he's seemed a little bit lethargic and tired at, at some nights. And I think a lot of it is because of what you just talked about. I mean, the the Olympic situation certainly has a bearing. Luca carries a lot of the load for this Maverick team. I mean, twenty five, eight, and eight. That's a that's a that's a workload for anybody night in and night out. You couple that, off with he's had a nagging ankle injury all year. And that has slowed him somewhat. But make no mistake about it, Luca even went public and said that he needed to get in better shape. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And I quote, I'm quoting him, him saying that he could be in better condition. So you couple that with the injuries and just all of, the responsibility that he has as a player, there's no question he's been hampered and slowed a little bit. But if you, if, if struggling is 25, 8, and 8, I'll take the struggle. And I think that points to how great he is as a player. Uh, I say all the time, Luca plays his best basketball against Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Tawai Leonard, uh, against all the greats. He shows up. And he plays his best. So there's a reason why he was top five uh, last year and the year before. He was top five players, first team, all NBA. The dude is super. And I think what separates him is just his IQ and that huge size advantage that he has against everybody that tries to defend him.
0: You know, it's funny. Again, we're talking to Derek Harper, longtime NBA vet and Mavericks analyst. Raptors getting set for the Mavericks tonight. Um, we we spoke about it earlier in the broadcast as well earlier in our show we were talking about uh, you know Luca and 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 maybe not being in the best of shape but you said it well 25 8 and 8 and if that's him not great shape it's pretty scary to think what he could be and what he might ultimately be so let me ask you just that then Derek how good can he be he's already been good he's already been great but what is the next step the next level for this already superstar talent
2: i think to continue to learn how to win at the highest level. You know, individually, there are a lot of great players. I mean, the list is so long. that had great numbers throughout their career, and they never won a championship. I dare you to ask any of them, would they trade in some of those numbers for a championship? That's what his admiration is, is to win a, win a championship. He echoes it all the time. And he's still learning how to do that. I think Luca came here kind of thinking that he had to do it all by himself. And I think he has to learn to implement the rest of the team with his skill set. And once he does that, the sky will be the limit uh, for, for where he can go. And I, I just think that his style of play, the methodical way of the way he plays the game, it doesn't go away. It's kind of like Magic. You know, Magic Johnson – you know, the way Magic played with the energy, with the smile, with the charismatic personality, and just the love for the game overall. That's what I think when I think about EJ. And <clears throat> Luca has all of that. Magic came into the NBA knowing how to win. He won in high school, won a championship in East Lansing, went to Michigan State, won another championship. And we all remember the, 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 Philadelphia series where he single-handedly beat Philly in the championship. Luka can do the same thing once he understands exactly what it takes. You know, you, you have to do whatever it takes to, to win a championship. That's what all the great ones do. Larry Bird, you know, Michael Jordan, they make those extra passes and, and, and play, understand how to play with what's around them and respect what's around you. And I, I, I really, I really feel like Luca will be an all-time great. He already is. I mean, he's done some things that have that's been unprecedented as a young player in this league. So, I don't think there's any doubt that he will uh, he he'll reach reach his heights as a
1: player. Hey, hey, Harp, how is how has uh, Jason Kidd changed this team? Their approach. I mean, they had Rick for the longest time. They were successful. Um, you know, I yeah. always say it's, uh, sometimes you need a new voice, but how, how yeah. has Jason been able to get through to these guys? That's, a, that's, a, that's an interesting question. In a, in
2: a combination of ways, number one, his voice is different from Rick Carlisle's voice And all due respect to Rick. Rick is a Hall of Fame coach one day, no question about it, especially offensively. But to me, the, the, the team, let me get this right, the team is led by a great point guard, right? Jason Kidd was a great point guard, if you would. He knew when to go. He knew when when to slow. He knew when to involve Dirk. He knew when to put a smile on Jason Terry's face. And all the guys that he's he's played with, I'm talking particularly when I talk Jay, is two eleven when they were able to win the championship. The first meeting I had with, we had with Jason Kidd as a broadcast, the first thing that he said, don't just talk about Luka. Talk about all of my players. And that's what he's implemented. He, he's, he's made other players feel apart. He's brought a defensive philosophy that he's gotten guys to buy into. He holds guys accountable. And that that defensively, man, we've been the hottest defensive team in the NBA over the last, say, 15 games. Nobody's been better, numbers-wise, right? And being up and close to it every night, the eye test tells you the same thing. These guys help one another. They talk. They rotate. They challenge. All the defensive principles that you talk about, Jason Kidd has – Gotten his guys to buy into that, and as a result, it's a different mindset. What, what, Paul? What did you remember? What did you think about the Mavericks in the past?
1: Well, they were they were one they were they were one sided. Yeah, they they played one side of the court, and in the championship yeah. years, they were good defensively because of Case and what Rick demanded, and the personnel with with. You know the the the, Steve, the, the Sean you know, Deshaun yeah. Stevenson, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't I yeah, don't I, I don't see that recently. Yeah, you, there was a
2: time where I the question I used to always ask for this team when the jump shots aren't going in, Paul, well, what are they going to do offensively? Well, now you know what they do. They put it on the deck and they attack the rim. Uh, they get in pick and roll and they they. They, they find a way to execute in the pick and roll and put the lob up for Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber, Chris Stapps, That's what they do now. So instead of dying by that three, they've found a, a different balance when it comes to when to shoot those threes and what you do when the threes aren't going in. I think that's pivotal when it comes to basketball because that live and die by that three, it happens to a lot of teams. See, everybody tried to build their team like the Warriors when they were winning championships, right? The three, to three, to three, to three. But they don't realize that when the Warriors were winning championships, to your point about the Mavericks in two eleven, the Warriors were the number one rated defense in the NBA. Chicago, when they were winning yeah. championships, they were the best defensive team in the NBA. I think Milwaukee, when they won the championship last year, was maybe seventh rated, eighth somewhere in there you can fact check me all you want those teams defended first and they played their offense off of their defense and when you can do that you can be successful that's what we've been doing of late and having a terrific season that's how we got our season all turned around as a team
0: Again, it's the Mavericks and the Raptors tonight at eight thirty Eastern. The tip-off, eight o'clock pregame show, right here on Sportsnet five nine of the Fan Jonesy and I will have the call for you, uh, Derek. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and I'm sure we'll uh, talk again down the road. All the best.
2: You got it, there. Hey, PJ, nothing but love. Thanks, man. Harp.
1: Okay, babe. Uh, great to great to talk to you, man. Take care, brother.
0: There is Derek Harper, Mavericks television analyst and sixteen year. NBA vet, uh, definitely appreciate his time today and uh, kind of looking big picture at a lot of things, Jonesy. Those are the conversations I enjoy having more than just, hey, the game tonight, yeah. uh, and, and kind of digging into the, the nuts and bolts of what makes a team and what makes a player and what makes a, either a good run or a bad run and what it's going to take to turn things around and love breaking it down with Derek Harper again, 16 years with the Mavs, the Knicks, the Magic, the Lakers, and as you started talking right off the top, when you have a chance to play for and, and, and learn from one of the greatest of all time uh, in Phil Jackson... Uh, that's going to carry with you over the course of your life, let alone your career, if you stay in basketball, and it certainly has uh, with a guy like Derek Harper.
1: Eric, it's it's interesting because we said it last week with Rick Mahorn. Um, you know, we always say it when you know we get a chance to talk to a Howard Beck or a, you know a Tim Bontemps or or or, or somebody like that. Um, you know, we 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 make friends with these guys. We're, they, these guys are friends and colleagues, and we travel around the league and. You know, I it, w- it would have been great to be in Dallas tonight, to get there. You know, you and I get there early, do what we have to do for pregame and, you know, have your meal. And and it would be, gr- I mean, this conversation is something that, uh, you know, our listeners get to hear, uh, the people on the podcast get to hear. But it's no different than something that would take place uh, in the media room, at, at a dinner table with you, me, Derek Harper, uh, you know, whoever else happened to be there. As we start talking about and, and talk about basketball, so these are these are the things, uh, these are the things that we miss. I mean, we're, we're still fortunate to be able to do the games, but have and and you know, we were twenty minutes with Harp. If we were sitting at the dinner table, it, it probably could have been forty or forty-five till somebody says, "Hey, I got to go record pregame," or "I gotta I gotta go and do an interview," or "I gotta go listen to the coach" or whatever, because. I mean, we're 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 basketball junkies. We're basketball nuts. And uh, for for the for the people listening, this is the kind of stuff that we do when we see a Derek Harper or you know, uh, I mean, Alvin's our colleague, but we we go to to Philly and I get to talk to Sonny Hill or or you know, you're you're in New York and you you lean on the scorer's table and and you chat with Howard Beck. These are the the great things about our job that you know certainly I never take for granted.
0: Well, another one of those guys we'd throw into the mix as well. If we were in Los Angeles, always good to chat with Dan Wojcicki from the L.A. Times. And he's going to join us next on Smith & Jones on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Back on Smith & Jones, Eric Smith, Paul Jones with you again. Make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. Uh, if you didn't get a chance even yesterday to uh, hear the show, check out the podcast so you can uh, tune into our conversation with Former Raptor and now member of the Cleveland Cavaliers head office, Jose Calderon, and a lot to catch up on from earlier today. If you missed our first hour as we chatted with Gary Trent Sr. and our weekly visit with Alvin Williams, as well as the Raptors get set for the Mavericks tonight, Uh, and then on to Washington on Friday night to close out this road trip. And uh, certainly we'll be talking a lot about this tomorrow, Jonesy, and into Friday's show as well, but uh, already starting to eyeball the uh, NFL action this weekend with the divisional playoffs coming up as well and I'm 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 trying not to get too geeked up to get too jacked up about the Bills on uh, on Sunday but the one thing that's kind of making me a little bit nervous I admit a little bit nervous as as much as I've been you know I've been trying to stay positive and I'm I'm confident man it's hard beating a team twice in one season especially in their joint now they've already beaten the Pats twice and yes New England got them once But to do it twice in somebody's building, oof, that's tough. That's tough. I guess the flip side of that, though, is as a Bills fan, you could say to me, hey, it's tough to beat a team back-to-back years in the playoffs as well. Same opponent, albeit the AFC Championship last year. Can the Chiefs do it again? That's the one thing that's making me a little bit nervous. Because otherwise, I think this matchup uh, on both sides of the ball is pretty darn even. And I give uh, an edge to the Bills defensively. But certainly the experience factor and the championship experience factor of the Chiefs gives them a little bit of a, an edge, so it kind of washes things out. And I'm thinking dead even and a heck of a matchup that I think we're uh, we're due for. And I think we could say that across the board. Maybe it makes sense. We're getting deeper into the playoffs now. But, you know, for all the, the hype and all the chatter about uh, last weekend's games, only one of them ended up being close. I mean, the other, the other five, six, they, uh, the other five, excuse me, were, were damn near blowouts, all of them right we only saw one real tight one yeah
1: yeah and uh i i mean i'm guessing it'll be tighter in the divisional in the uh in the uh divisional round here and and uh it's uh we're 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 at the best time for football now there's only a, a handful of teams playing and if you ain't good you ain't playing
0: well i didn't see him in the box with you know Kawhi and Mookie Betts and Paul George. I, I I don't know if he was there or not. Maybe he was in attendance. Maybe he doesn't even care about the Rams. But the Los Angeles Rams with the victory, as they get set for another game this weekend, trying to run down uh, a berth in the Super Bowl and maybe even the Vince Lombardi Trophy. But speaking of all things L.A., uh, we always love chatting with Dan Wikey from the L.A. Times. Dan, how are you today? Guys, um, th-
3: I was not in the box, but who do you think leased it to them? For that game, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, it'd be weird to be, you know, an Airbnb type host, right? And show up at the house and like be in the kitchen. And so that's why I said, fellas, Mook, I call him Mook, Mook, Kawhi, PG, <laughs> go have a great time. You guys have fun. I am going to be a working man and I'm going to go watch the Lakers have uh, their best win of the season. That's what I was doing. Nobody in L.A. noticed everybody was paying attention to the Rams.
0: Fair point. Listen, you're you're a great host then, Dan. Great <laughs> Seriously. Host.
3: That's where everybody was. Everybody was there. <laughs> pretty empty Staples Center Press from that
0: night, guys. Oh, sorry. Crypto. Oh, I was just about press. to jump in. Yeah, pretty pretty empty crypto. I mean, I, just as a quick aside, I'm sure. sure, like, listen, I don't want to belabor it because it's, it's a story that's damn near a month old now, but honestly, way too much made of this. Like, I know what happened in Toronto, too, when Air Canada Center became Scotiabank Arena. It really is just because you get used yeah. to calling it one place. Like, it's much different when it was... A stadium that simply had a name, like like listen, Rogers owns us, they are the owners of the fan and of sportsnet, so I'm not trying to, to to hammer the company here. It's different though, when you go from Skydome to Rogers Center, you know, but when you're talking about one corporate name, one sponsored name to another sponsor name, really you're going to get sentimental over this, honestly, really? I don't know. I Eric, that's what, I, that's
3: what I said uh, um, at one point. It was like people were reacting as if like Philippe Staples was the uh, the person who paved all the roads in Los Angeles or something like that. Like he was some civic icon, and not the place where I don't know maybe you bought a fax machine the one time you needed it. It was crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Anyway,
3: anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk yeah, some towards, basketball. Towards a, <laughs> a supplies chain.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> nuts. All right, uh, I'm looking for the segue. Is the is the fax machine in the NBA head office yeah. going to be uh, burning anytime soon with the notice of Frank Vogel's firing?
3: Oh yeah, we're back on <laughs> my this guy again. Frank Vogel. Uh, <laughs> I look. I will. I, I mean, no, not right now. Um, that's what I reported yesterday. Uh, there are no current plans to to make a change. Now look, if. Um, my wife came to me at my anniversary and said, honey, there are no current plans to leave you. I would say, thanks. I guess happy anniversary. (laughs) It sort of implies that there might someday be future plans to do it. Um, But I guess it's better than the alternative, which is her saying, you know, pack your bags and get out. Um, And I, and I think, you, you know, that to me is, is sort of what's happening here is like, this is an attempt to, to at least calm the waters a little bit right now. The Lakers did have a nice win against Utah. They did respond after um a pretty horrendous week, um, especially defensively against Memphis, Sacramento and and really rock bottom against Denver. Um but you, you know, it's kind of more the same. It's 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 the, the the math on this is all fuzzy, right? Like either you're judging him on a full roster, which you know, spoiler alert, you might not see all year or you're, you know, or you're not. Or you're judging him on his past performance, which is pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think, guys, it comes down to this. and You guys know this. Like, in the NBA, like, you don't fire the players. And if you're the GM, um, you're not going to fire yourself. So, if you need to scapegoat somebody, if you need to make a change, uh, we know who Eric's going to call. You know, Dan, I, I just every have time to the Lakers
0: to say- get – Jonesy, I just have to quickly say, just just to defend myself for one—not even defend myself, more defend Frank Vogel. It's almost just become comical because I asked one question about Frank a couple of months ago. I I I got nothing against the man. I hope he stays employed as the Lakers coach. I don't want to call for his job, but it's like it's become such a thing. It's like I can't give it up now. I have to stay on this hill and die on this hill. I know I can't backtrack from it now, right? It's just it's it's become like my battle cry, I guess.
3: It is like he stole your family pet once, or something. That's, that's what I like. Yeah, it's, this is my favorite feud in the NBA. <laughs> anyway,
0: go ahead, Jones.
1: Dan. Every time the Lakers, yeah, every time the Lakers get a big win, Dan, we think this is the one that turns them around. Is it? Sure. Like we, we, you know, every time it's a, it's a galvanizing win. This is the one. This is this marks the turning point in the season, and and you you look you look down at the standings in the West and the Lakers are still at 500 in, in with those three words uh, right on people's lips that LeBron hates to hear. Play in tournament.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got some news for you, Jonesy, about momentum. Um, the Lakers play the Pacers tonight, and then they go on a six-game road trip, <laughs> and they play some pretty good teams, uh, you know, and they're going to do it at least at the beginning without Anthony Davis. Um, so... You know, I, I think, if, I mean, if this is, if they do rip off four or five wins in a row, um, you know, kind of out of this Utah game, that'll be uh, uh, the best people have, have felt about the team all season. But, you know, they're going to have to go through the Pacers, the Magic, which is, those all seem winnable. Um, but, you know, then you go to Miami, then you go to Brooklyn, then you go to Philly, then you go to Charlotte, then you go to Atlanta. And it's like, that that that's formidable. Now, they catch a couple breaks, right? Like, you know in Brooklyn uh, unless some something drastically changes. I mean, it would take like three minutes to change. But, like, you know, Kyrie Irving's not going to play on that game. Uh, Kevin Durant is not going to play on that game. So so maybe that's a, a certainly more manageable thing. And and I think there is some optimism that Anthony Davis could return on this trip. So you combine those things. Maybe, maybe there is a, a way to pull out some momentum here. I think, though, Jonesy, what's crazy about this Lakers team, and, and, and you've been around teams um, you know, throughout your career, it's like the the things you hold on to, right? Kind of tell you where the team is at. And you know, the the big victory against the Jazz wasn't just beating Utah; it was that they played hard on Utah, right? Like that's where they're at right now. Like they are celebrating just effort, mm-hmm. and, and 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 that's a problem. Um, you know, and, and so they are really, in a lot of ways, still kind of squ- a square one team. But the crazy thing is, is that as long as you do have LeBron James, as long as you do have Anthony Davis, um, you know, and, and, I, and I think a, a Russell Westbrook that is still getting better and more comfortable and will be a better player in a month for the team many today. Um when you have that kind of top line talent, like, I mean, can you really write them off? I, I, I don't know. It's why they're such a confusing team.
0: Speaking with Dan Moye, from the LA Times. Dan, we were chatting earlier in the week um, with Tim Bontemps, and one of the things we we kind of got oh. into with him just—I know, I know, I know—I I hear you. No, we love we love Timmy. We love did he Timmy. yell
3: at you? He yells at everybody. Uh, I love. Tim. He did yell at me He's at a one great yelling. You
0: know, he he cut he right. cut off one of my questions. To you cut, uh, cut Eric stop, off, yeah. Let me yeah. stop you right there, and you know, because I, I started asking about the, nah. the the story about the fines that the uh, the the Nets could potentially pay or reportedly pay to allow Kyrie to pay, and he yeah, cut yeah. me. off. that's ah, that's all bogus, and that's you know, that's that's not. You know. And so he, nah, he, did, he did cut did. me off. You know. <laughs> but I appreciated him everybody in NBA
3: straight. has a good yeah. bad temp. Everybody's got a good bad impression, by the way. <laughs> that's what
0: I love. Well, one of the things we got into with him, though, was the fact that, and, and you can speak to this even, even better, I'm sure, more directly, uh, if there is Absolutely. a trade to be made, and I'm not talking fantasy trades, I'm not throwing out teams and names and anything else, just talking in generality, sure. what kind of flexibility do the, do the Lakers have? Because it sure seems like next to none.
3: Yeah, no, it is definitely like 70-year-old man wakes up in the morning, level of flexibility. You know like everything is creaky it's not it's not they're not very trade limber um you know i think obviously the, the the they have there's like two three different i guess routes they could go right like they could do something very very minor which is we're talking about minimum salary type players um they send out minimum salaries maybe a future second round pick um or something like that and you know that's that but like you're not gonna that those aren't the trades that move you from 500 team to western government's favorite right there's sort of that second tier trade which is you find a starter or a rotation level player um who makes around 15 16 million dollars or something like that and, and, and you know to do that they're gonna have to trade taylor Horton tucker and as Um, Toronto fans know you know like the Lakers aren't always super willing to trade Taylor they're willing to maybe talk about it and they're talking about it again right now uh, but they value him a lot and um, so sending him out for someone like say Terrence Ross I I don't know that that moves the needle enough for you to give up on your 21 year old that, that you believe in right so that's that that's the kind of the secondary sort of hurdle they have to deal with and then there's the Westbrook question, um, which is like, I mean, do you try to move on from Russell Westbrook, and like, and not only do you, it, it's, it, and I guess for that one, guys, it's not really their decision. Someone else has got to want them, someone else has got to want to pay him, you know, forty-seven million dollars next year, and I mean, like, kind of good luck finding that team. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of flexibility. <laughs> I'm not expecting. I'm not expecting some sort of big move to be made. I think they will be a um, very active buyout market team, um, but that's just kind of where they're at.
0: We might have lost Jonesy Dan. We'll get him back into the mix here in a second as we're talking to Dan. But
3: Joe, Jonesy's so disgusted by the Lakers trade options
0: <laughs> that he just he,
3: he just he, he he turned off the internet. He went airplane mode. He said, "This is despicable."
0: It, it, it's very possible. It's definitely possible. I know. I know he does get a little riled up anytime we talk about Anthony Davis because his ongoing line, his running line for a couple of seasons now, is leads the league in MRIs. So uh, that's that's his well, viewpoint on Anthony Davis a lot of the time.
3: <laughs> well, it is. I will say the watching Anthony Davis play on a nightly basis um, experience it, it, it is a stress um, that I wasn't prepared for. Before I started covering him, which is that like he does, because of like the way his body is, and the because of how much I think like you know sort of like spandexy stuff he wears. Like, every time he falls, it does look serious, and he does fall a lot. And so you're constantly wondering like, oh my gosh, is this the one? I will say to 80s credit, two years ago, um, you know, was the toughest guy in the world when they won their title. Played every you know played almost every game. Um, was great there physically. Uh, the the sort of reverberations of that starting last year and then, you know, some bad luck this year, I think. Uh, you know, but he was pretty healthy again this year going into this. But it, but, but you're right, I mean, to, to sort of Jones' point, you know, it just always sort of feels like it's something. And that's and that's part of the other reason, Eric, why it's just hard to be like that confident about the Lakers because you're projecting okay, like once AD gets back, like who's to say he'll stay back? Like, Or, you know, who's to say that LeBron You know, someone won't, you know, dive at his legs trying to go for a loose ball and knock him out for another month and a half. Like a lot has to go right for this team over the next forty games for for me to feel um, like they're close to kind of getting to where they think they should be.
1: Dan, I know you 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 cover mostly the Lakers, but I'm looking at the team that uh, lives in the same arena down the hall. They're not exactly burning yes. it up either. Uh I know I know they've had injuries, but um, you know, they're mm-hmm. they're they're two games out of being on the outside of this whole play in tournament as well.
3: Totally. Yeah, Jones, you're right. First of all, welcome back. It's so good to hear your voice again. Um I think uh um, <laughs> you know, i i I miss you dearly. Um, I think I think you're right. Uh, you, you know, we know we know they are Canada's uh, favorite Los Angeles team because of uh, all of the, the former Reptors that, that have that have put on the Clipper uniform. Um, look, I think, yeah, uh, I mean that's what it comes down to with them, right? Is like, you know, is Paul George going to play? And if Paul George plays, is Kawhi Leonard going to play? And if they do play, um, they'll feel really good about where they're at. And if they don't play. Um, you know, playing lottery, whatever. Um, kind of a lost season, anyways, right? And and I think I think Jonesy that they are an, a very interesting trade deadline team because they have pieces, um, sort of in that that kind of rotation player range, um, guys that make $15, $16 dollars a year. They've got a handful of them um, who maybe would move the needle on a contender. Maybe Marcus Morris does make. Um, you know, uh, a, a, a team I'm I have no idea, I don't have any team for him. Maybe he makes the Bucks that, that much more formidable, you know. Um you know, or, or maybe the Atlanta Hawks, like he's a guy who pushes the Atlanta Hawks into a, a new level. Um I know they they've struggled, but it's a kind of belief. Um, you know, is 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 Luke Kennard a guy who if you put them on the Bulls and, and you give them another shooter, is, is does that make it? Does that move the needle? I mean, Mark Scores to the Bulls would be a really good. That's a, I think so, a really good example. And you know, is that something? Um, you know, you don't. I, I think they could make one of those moves and not really hurt their long-term sort of plans because their long-term plans are centered on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So I think they're going to be a really interesting team. They're going to take a lot of calls. But to to your point, I mean, as far as a threat, I think they are a team on a nightly basis that has um, pretty good organizational depth. They play hard, and they compete. They are good enough to win in Brooklyn, Um, and then they're you know they're also bad enough to score twenty eight points and a half against Denver, a game weirdly enough that they were good enough to somehow still win. So they're, they're they're a bizarre team too. I think they just to me are an interesting seller.
0: It's always something interesting. There's whether it's the Lakers yeah. especially or the Clippers. Guys, there's always something interesting coming out of L. A. That's why we call you. You know, like we start with the Rams, guys, we end up is, on the Lakers, we go to the yeah. Clips. It's L. A. There's always something happening.
3: I mean, look right, like you know, the the Dodgers. The, we're getting ready to go on a Grammy trip, and there aren't even any Grammys. Like it is a it it, it is a a cluster here in the city right now. Uh, but but we're, we're we're pushing through. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, also too up north uh, I, look, I look forward no. to seeing you guys in march
0: yeah one of these days one of these days you know pushing through I'm, it's been pushing through uh 15 inches of snow the last two days that's as you know winter have you been exist out here.
3: eric have you been out doing any 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 neighbors traveling have you been out
0: oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> i forgot about that honestly i was out for about five hours the other day and did half the crescent but i will say with half the crescent look at it was you. like, it was like a neighborhood, like 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 the kids were playing, and every adult was out there working their ass off for like I say four or five hours. So it wasn't me by myself, just you know taking care of everybody. I had I had some help this time. It, it,
3: just just making a couple like, making a couple extra bucks from the elderly lady on the
0: street. <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, by, uh, exactly. Like getting <laughs> the
3: walkway, er, er, Eric. I will tell you this. Um, so I grew up in Chicago, and when I talk to people in California about the winter, um, and I think your listeners will appreciate this. They have no idea how horrible shoveling snow is. What, what just what a miserable chore that is. How you're cold, how you get sweaty, but you're also freezing. And then how after you know your back hurts, and then you know you you turn around and you look at the driveway you just shoveled, and it's got another three inches of snow on it. it. It is the, it is that is God laughing directly in the face of humanity.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, and I, my, 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 my best buddy, my best buddy, regularly says to me, "He said my dad had a choice when he came over from India back in the late '60s to go live anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. He could have, you know, or anywhere in North America. He could have even chosen BC, where yeah, nobody likes rain, but at least it's not snow. Or he could have gone to California or Florida, but he chose. At least he didn't choose Winnipeg." Or I didn't choose, like, you know, the East Coast or Saskatchewan. You know, like, we, we truly do get four seasons here. You've been here in the summer when it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit, but yeah. it will also get to 10 degrees Fahrenheit. And, um, I, again, I'm trying to do this Fahrenheit Celsius thing for you. But thank, we get thank you very four much. I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah, it. Like, I'm, I'm looking out at a mountain of snow in front of me that the plow dropped that it must be mm, close to 20 feet high right in front of my house. And, and that thing's not melting until April now. Like that's that's,
3: that's it. I know it'll it'll be a, it'll be a great it'll be a great view for you out the out the window. As it just slowly gets dirtier too over time too? Oh, yeah. And it, it's oh, like yeah. beautiful and white right now, but it's gonna get it's gonna get muddy. I think it's yeah. uh, it Seriously, I don't know how you guys do it. No, all
0: oh, well, the listen, charm's if gone. Got a spare room or a, or a guest house. I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to move anytime anytime. We um, we are we
3: are in the market for a na- we are in the market for our nanny. Eric, I can tell
0: you. Oh well, listen, hey. Stranger things have happened, you know. Career change might come. Uh, Dan, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this.
1: Thanks, Dan. All right,
3: guys,
0: be good. All right, take care. There is Dan Wojcie from the L.A. Times. I'd have to think about that, Jonesy. Depends what it pays. Hmm.
1: Just so you can live in L.A., right? Just so you can live in L.A.
0: Maybe I go when the kids are like three or four. I can handle that. Infants, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Thanks thanks to Dan Wojcicki, Gary Trent Sr., Alvin Williams, and Derek Harper. Jammed show today. If you missed any part of it or if you want to share it with your friends or your family or anybody, make sure you subscribe to Smith & Jones wherever you get your podcast. Please rate and review as well. We're not done, though, today. We're done with this show, but we'll be back with the broadcast tonight. Raptors and Mavericks, 8 o'clock pregame, 8.30 tip-off right here on these very airwaves. And then we will be back again tomorrow with more Smith & Jones on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.